Hey, we, we, we take shots at each other. But I did tell Kristen, I said, man, look at his guns. I said, you can tell he's been working out. He's holding that mic, kind of flexing a little bit. And she was like, like uh, she was giving you some eyes, bro. Take advantage of that. Um, yeah, we're online. We don't care. <laughs> Unsuccessful. Hey, it was successful. I just didn't get to shoot anything. <laughs> I got to gut one out, though, so that's got to count for something, right? Yeah, some of y'all, if you've never gutted out an elk, you've missed out on an experience. With a guy my size, you better have to crawl up in that baby just to, to get to the heart. So, uh, but it was good. We had a good time. And again, reminded when you get out into the mountains without light pollution, how big God is. Like just stepping out and just looking up and going, man, my problems are nothing because I serve the God that created every single planet and star that I can see. Um, it's a beautiful thing. So, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Do you care if I, first message, I got done like at 1030. You okay if I preach short today? All right, amen. I hope that's not the best amen I get all, all day. Uh, but today's more of a teaching, and uh, I, I just, I'm excited about it. It's a good thing, but it's more of a teaching thing. Uh, Pastor Steve, you did a phenomenal job last week. I finally got around to listening to the message. I think it was Friday. Um, he's almost got me convinced to get saved. It's, it's I'm so close. I'm just on the edge. Um, what I did tell him, I was joking, I texted them both. I said, you guys did a great job. I've listened to the worship like four times in his message once. Um, and he got offended at that. And I was like, whatever. Um, <laughs> get over it. Yeah, that's it. And then I told Kristen, he needs some consolation. So give him some extra love because I hurt his feelings. And, uh, but no, it was a great, great message. I really appreciate it. So let's get into this. We are again in a series. Um, if you're new with us, thank you so much for being here. Um, we, we, we're a church that I'll preach the truth, I'll talk about sin, but I believe that church should be a place of joy. I, I believe if you had fun when you come to church, it should be a place that you want to come to, not that you, you know, drudgingly should come to. So we'll use humor, but I'm also very serious about heaven and hell. Like if you don't give your life to Jesus Christ, eternity and hell is where you'll spend if you die without giving your life to Jesus. And so it's so important that we do that, that we give our life to Christ um, and not just hope for the best, all right? But most of us are on our way. If you have not given your life to Christ, I'll give you an opportunity um, at the end of this message and just hope that your heart keeps beating until I get to that point. If you're a little afraid right now, just say, Jesus, please come into my life be my savior because you're not guaranteed your next breath. Amen. But for those of us who have given our lives to Christ, uh, it's, it's eternity's taken care of, but now we've got to deal with today. We've got to deal with until we get there. It's like, okay, we have, you got the tickets to your destination, whether it could be you know, Hawaii or wherever. Uh, and, and you got the tickets and you know that that's where the end is, but you have the trip to make. And so all of us are on the trip and we're all different seating in the plane. We're, we're seeing different things, going through different things. Uh, but today's message is something I believe is going to challenge you, is going to touch your heart. We've been in a series called Adventure Awaits because when we step out of faith and do what God wants us to do, despite where we're at in life or what we feel about it, okay, it's an adventure. And to live a life of purpose, it must be on purpose. There are not many people that are successful on accident, that they weren't doing anything and all of a sudden, boom, uh, they, had, they had the success. And so I, I want to bring in the great philosopher Bilbo Baggins um, into the message now, if you're familiar with Lord of the Rings. Um, if you're not, uh, you need to get right with Jesus and watch it. <laughs> Lord of the Rings was written by a Christian author and, and it basically the whole story is dealing with sin. Like the ring is the one thing that we want, but it's the one thing that we shouldn't have. Um, and so there's that whole battle there. But I want to talk a little bit about hobbits this morning because if you don't know much about hobbits, if you know Lord of the Rings, then you know hobbits. The hobbits, they're... They just want to stay the same. They don't really want to change anything. That's kind of what they're known for. They like food and they like to smoke pipe weed. 
<laughs> like some people in California and Oregon and the other states around us. Uh, and and they, they just want everything to stay the same because when you smoke pipe weed, typically you get hungry from what I understand. I've never smoked it. But for those of you who were not saved before you got saved and you smoked it, you get the munchies, right? That's what I've heard. <laughs> that was a test. I'm like, okay, who out there within the sound of my voice is smoking it? Um, you know, and, and that's, the, the, but, but hobbits are known for staying the same. They, they just, they don't want nothing to change. They, they don't want adventures. They want just to live a life of, of kind of just solace and everything peaceful. And then you got Bilbo that comes along who has something inside of him that wants to go beyond that, wants to go beyond average, wants to, to experience adventures. And, and if you know the story, that's what he did. And, and Bilbo is the reason the whole story actually was created because he is the one that stepped out of his comfort zone and out of what was normal, what out, out of what was easy to have an adventure. And that's really what Christianity is like. So a question I had for myself or you is how did people get their stories told in the Bible? Like when a story is told about a, an individual in the Bible, man or woman, why was the story told? Was it because they were average or was it because they did something extraordinary? Now, for the most part, they either did something really good or really bad, right? That's what the story got in the Bible for. Um, but there's not many stories of what I call average Abraham in the Bible, where you just lived as an average life and you got mentioned in the Bible. And today we're going to look at a story about the widow, um, and, and we know nothing about her. Which widow are we talking about? The widow with the two mites, okay, M-I-T-E-S, little tiny coins that she puts in to this offering, and she gets noticed by Jesus. All we know about her is her character, and Jesus is going to point this out. Okay, your character is the most important thing, really, to Jesus. It's not what you look like or the money you have or the gifts and abilities. It, it's your character. It's who you are as a person. And Jesus points her out. There was hundreds of people, and I'll describe the scene here, and yet she made the Bible. Why is this? Because it wasn't the amount she gave, it was the obedience. And that is the title of the message today. So here's the, here's the setting. I love where Jesus, right before this, uh, this is Jesus' last time in the temple. Um, the temple, as we'll talk a little bit more about it in a bit, had nine gates. It was different courts that you could go to depending on who you were and, and how good you were. Like the Gentiles, like the low of the low, could enter one spot. Well, then the women could enter the second spot. And then if you're a little more righteous than a man, you could enter the next one. And, and it was a series of you can only go this far. And so Jesus is sitting in the temple. It would be his last time in the temple before his crucifixion. He's already in Jerusalem. He's going to get crucified. And this is his last visit to the temple. And he goes in there with the disciples and he just sits down in what they, what they call the court of women. And it's where they put the offerings up. And he just, he sits down and he's just observing people. Um, you ever go to the village and you just observe people? You observe village people? Okay. There's some interesting people down there just to kind of watch and, and you kind of wonder what's going on. Uh, even in my own mind, how I think is, is I was up in the woods and I would see a jetliner go by. I would think about the people in the jet. And, and my thoughts were every single one of those people are facing something they don't want to face. Every one of those people are going through something that they'd rather not have to go through. And I think it would be good for us to live our life that way, to see that other people are hurting too. Other people need somebody to encourage them, and that would be us. So Jesus just got finished rebuking these religious leaders, um, if you read the story before, um, and he let them have it because they weren't living what they preached. They were the religious leaders of the day. They were the ones that actually got him arrested and crucified uh, because they had their religious system going, 
they didn't really love God. They were going through the motions. They were using his, the, the temple and basically the church uh, to, to gain money and to gain prestige and power. It had nothing really to do with serving God or loving God. It had everything to do with the position. And Jesus, frankly, was sick of it. Don't we get sick of that? We get sick of religion, and we should be, okay? We, we should get sick of religion. They were using it, again, as a, as a business for self-profit. And he's just sitting there in this court area watching, watching people put their money in the, in the, in the coffers that, that were there. And uh, women, I, I'm sorry, but if you were an Israelite woman, you had to stop here. You couldn't go any further. In your court, though, it held about 15,000 women. That's a lot of estrogen, right? There's a lot of things going on here. And again, his last recorded time in the temple, that's important to know, Again, you've got to be qualified to go into the temple. Or there's some religions today that teach this very thing. You've got to be qualified to go in. But when Jesus died, that all changed. Okay, when Jesus died, we ask him into our life, and it's not the physical Jesus that comes. It's the spirit of Jesus that comes into us. And we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do good things to get qualified for him to come in. All we've got to do is get forgiven. And that's a beautiful thing, all right? So our deeds don't qualify us for salvation. His blood qualifies us. And that's why communion is so important. So we don't, again, if you grew up in a religion and there's, it's pretty predominant in our area that you've got to be good enough to, get, to go into the temple, that's, that's not what it's like anymore. Okay? You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's a great thing, amen? Because I don't have to earn it anymore. Is that good? I should try to behave, but I don't have to earn it. So the cross now is what qualifies us, not our own righteousness. Now, should we be trying to be righteous? Absolutely. But the righteousness doesn't qualify you. The cross does. So if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, he's just hanging out, sitting, watching with his disciples, observing people. And we'll take it up in the book of Mark. Um, and, and I'll read the story, and then we'll go back and talk about it. It says, Jesus sat down opposite of the place where the offerings were put. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now, many rich people threw in large amounts. There's no rebuke for being rich. He's just, just stating a fact here. But a poor widow came and she put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. In other words, they're two mites. They're very, very little. It's one sixty-fourth of a day's wage. So it's like the smallest amount of money that really you could put in. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. And the literal stand would have went, no, she didn't. <laughs> she only had two pennies. Everybody's putting a lot of money because I'm very literal and it drives my wife absolutely crazy. But I also tell her I'm so literal when I say I love you, you can't doubt that. <laughs> right? So they all get out of her wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything she had to, everything she had to live on. It's a beautiful thing, okay? Now, Jesus is likely pondering what's about to happen to him. Okay, he's, he's watching these people give money, and, and today isn't really about money, it's about giving your life, but in this case, it was about the money, and, and he's about to give his life, and so he, he's looking at all these metal things. Now, there was 13 different metal things that you could give to, 13 different coffers, so to speak, and, and, and from what I understand, it was designed kind of like a tuba, or like a funnel that you could put your money in. So Jesus is watching all these hundreds of people walking in, and they're looking at, at to what they can give to. And the rich people, they're just, they're like, like they're, they're making a show of it. Like, look how much I'm giving. Okay, I'm giving a lot. And Jesus does not chastise any of them for giving a lot. 
Okay, but that's not what caught his attention. And I want you to think about this just a moment. He's watching people give money and he's watching people give offerings. There's, a, there's 13 different containers that you can give to. Um, some of the containers are temple tax. They go to certain things. Other containers were for specific things. You could buy incense. Like the one coffer had money. You could buy incense to burn in the temple. And you could go, you know, I want, I want my money to go to the thing that goes and raises toward God. When they burn the incense, I want to be a part of that. Some people bought wood for the fire that they could do the sacrifices on because you had to have a continual fire there. So they were paying for different physical things that were a part of the temple process, all right? Uh, some went to the priests to help with their livelihood, but five of them, again, were, were free will offerings. You could give to some things. There was one that you could give to the poor. The question is, we don't know which one she gave to. We, we don't know which, which one she looked at and, and what she decided to give her money to. We just don't know, but I do know this, is we know what her heart was like, okay? Her heart was like when she gave it, and that's what caught, caused Jesus to look. And so giving, let me tell you, this should never be a public show. It should never be a public show. It shouldn't be something that, that is advertised or whatever. Hey, look what I'm doing. The Bible's pretty clear about that. Um, so if you give it for a public show, then, well, that's your reward. People go, yeah, you, you gave 60 cents. Good job. That's all you get. That's all you get. Okay. Now, Jesus sees hundreds of people giving. Okay. The wealthy are doing their part. And again, I'm sure he was proud of the many that gave generosity or generously. I'm sure he looked at people because he, he knew what was going on in her life. And Jesus had this ability to look at people and know what was happening, know what was thinking. And I was thinking, I'm sure glad I don't have that ability with you guys. Because I wouldn't want to be up here preaching knowing what you're thinking about. I'd be like, Bob. I used Bob the first service. There's no Bob. Now there's a Bob here. I got to be careful what name I throw out there. You know, <laughs> I'm going to say Jim Bob. Jim Bob, quit thinking that, right? <laughs> Trying to think of some woman. Cindy, is there Cindy here? I need to be careful when I throw names out, right? But then maybe it's the word of the Lord speaking to you anyway. Like, or, or candy. Like, you shouldn't be thinking those thoughts about your husband, you know, or about her husband. You should, I would hate to, you didn't catch that, did you? Yeah. I would hate to know all, the, all of your thoughts because it would be a long sermon. It'd be all day long. But Jesus knew what was going on, I believe, in the life of every person that was giving. He knew they were wealthy. And there was, again, there was no chastisement. But what caught his eye was the thing that the little old lady gave and it's a beautiful story. Now, Luke tells us, okay, that Jesus actually was looking down, or that he looked up, but he sensed something. When this little widow came, we know nothing about her. We don't know how old she was. We don't know how long she was a widow. We don't know how her husband died. There was nothing in the Bible that says this is, you know, was her situation. But I believe because Jesus is God, he knows what her situation was. And so hundreds of people giving, giving, Jesus is looking down and something prompts his heart when she walks toward the little coffer. And, and is she looking at the 13 going, all I have is two pennies. That's all I have. That's, that's, that's it. That's all I got. But somebody needs it more than me. Who, Lord, is she praying in her heart? Lord, which one should I give it to? There's one that goes to widows. There's one that goes to the poor. Which one should I give it to? And, and I don't believe that she walked up and go, hey, everybody, look what I have. Because uh, she's watching all the rich people. I, I'm, because I know human nature, and when we have just a little bit to give and everybody else is given a lot, we're not really proud of it. We're kind of a little bit ashamed, like this is just all I have. And I have a feeling that she quietly put her money in the thing as best as she could just to keep it down because nobody else would notice that. And my point with this, guys, is sometimes we think that all we have to give is just a little. When God says your little can be a lot if it's given with the right heart. Your little is a lot. 
You don't have to give a ton to be like, I just really please God if I could do all this and if I could do just great things. No, God is just pleased with giving what you have. How do I know that? Because he points her out and not, all the, not everybody else. Okay, he makes this, this the, the story is about her. So I want you to think about her emotional state. Okay, when, he, when she goes, and again, Jesus is prompted to look up when this widow quietly makes her way to the offering boxes to drop in all that she has because what she has to give isn't gonna make much noise. Okay, I'd imagine this atmosphere caused her to be shy about her giving, and sometimes we're like that, but I want you to imagine her emotional state. Where, where is she at emotionally? She knows this is all I have, but all I have is, is what I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give everything that I can. Again, two mites, a 64th of a day's wage. It's not much. Matter of fact, according to their law, it was the least amount you could give. Like that, you couldn't give one mite, you could only give two mites. So she gave the very least that the law even allowed. And again, I believe Jesus had this ability to know what was going on in the lives and minds of people around him. And he knew her situation. And this is really important for you to grasp because that means that Jesus knows your situation. Jesus knows what you're facing right now. He knows what it is right now that you're battling. He knows what it is that you're going through and you're emotional and you're coming to church and you're like, I'm trying to worship God, but I just got this thing that's so heavy on my heart. And I want to tell you that Jesus sees that today. And he is so proud that you showed up to his house. Maybe even if you didn't want to, you're like, I just, I don't want, I'm not even worthy to come to church, man. I sinned big last night and I, I, I shouldn't even go. To, this is at the exact place you should be if you sinned big last night. Come on, give me a bigger amen than that, all right? This, this, should, this is the place you should be. When you get hurt, you go to a hospital, right? And that's what the church should be. It's a hospital. And so I believe she caught Jesus' attention because she was the opposite of the religious people. He just got gun dealing with. Can you imagine that? He's thinking, this is my last time in the temple. I'm going to die in a few days. I'm going to die. I'm going to give my life. And I just got done dealing with a bunch of religious people that claim to know my father, but they don't. And I got to die for them too. He's fully God, but he's fully man. So he has these emotions, I'm sure, that he's thinking, is this even worth it? You know, I, I, again, there's no Bible scriptures that backs up what I'm saying, but you understand as a human in the, in the garden, what did he say? Father, is there any other way? He did say like, I don't really want to do this, okay? Because I know there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to appreciate it, but there's going to be those that will. And, and so he gets done dealing with all these religious people. And I think he's probably just like, man, I'm, I'm going to give my life. And these guys are just, they're, they're just not, they're not even going to serve me. They're not even going to serve my father. But this widow comes along and I think she inspired him in some amazing way. Because I think he looked up and he saw a woman who had nothing yet had everything. Amen. She had faith in the God that she served. She had faith that God was going to provide her. And I think she caught, again, his attention I believe she became a source of encouragement to him. I told you this a few weeks ago. Um, you know, my pastor said this, God measures wealth not by what we have, by what we give. It's not the wealth that we have, it's what we give that God really notices. And again, not just money. I'm talking about your whole life. Uh, we dealt with money a few weeks ago. So Jesus calls his disciples over. Okay? He's watching. He sees this, this woman do this. He didn't just say he goes and talk to her. He didn't you know, say, hey, come here, lady. I want, to show, I want you to meet my, my guys. No, he calls his disciples over to him because the disciples probably didn't notice her. The disciples, as a matter of fact, because if you go to the next chapter, they're pointing out how magnificent the buildings were. They were impressed with the stuff. Like, wow, look at the gold, the temple. It's amazing. I don't think they noticed this lady, but Jesus says, guys, come here. I want to show you something. I tell you the truth. This poor widow put in more into the treasury than all of the others. They all out of the, gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. 
Have you ever given everything? You ever, you ever have those moments when you give everything that you have and you just lay it on the field or whatever it is? One of my stories that I tell is, is when we were building our house um, you know, 16 years ago is when they were drilling the well, they, they, the driller got pretty nervous because he wasn't hitting the, the kind of water that we needed. And so he was pretty like kind of scared and we were into, cotton wells are expensive. And so he's digging down and, and he ended for the day and he said, I'm just, we're just not getting, not getting much, much per gallons per minute that we need. And it was hot, it was summertime. And I, I was like, shoot, you know, cause the house is already getting built. <laughs> It'd be great to have a house without any water. That'd be lovely, right? And, and, and I said, okay, God, I need water. And I had two bottles of water and it was hot and I was sweating, dirty and thirsty. And I made a weird decision, okay, at least to me it made sense. And I said, God, I'm gonna dump both my bottles down the well. I'm just going to open up. I'm going to dump. I'm not going to drink it. I am thirsty. And I want water. But God, I'm going to believe for a miracle. And I, I dumped one water down and I dumped the next water down. And I just said, God, I just pray that you just provide water. Well, guess what happened the next day? We've never run out. Okay. It was, it was, it was just me saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give everything that I have. Though I want water, I'm going to give everything that I have because this is really important to me. Now, I'm not promising you that 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 will happen with you, but I just felt in my heart that's what I needed to do to to believe that God can provide something as simple as water in a well that seems to be dry. He can do a miracle. So are we willing to give everything that God has asked us to give? Okay, God measures wealth not by what we have, by what we give. Let's move on. All right. So he calls the disciples over to point her out. Okay, understand that others were seen given, but she gets individually mentioned. And it has nothing to do with the money or the amount. It has everything to do with a giving heart, a selfless attitude to help other people with a greater need than her own. And it wasn't a required tithe. It was an offering, which means it was a choice. She had a choice to do it. And I think this inspired Jesus. Again, he was about to go to the cross. And I believe this woman's faith was a source of encouragement to him. Jesus knew her story. He knew the tragedy of her losing her husband, the daily struggle to survive, and yet living to make a difference in the lives of other people. Because I can guarantee you this, this wasn't the first time this widow did something for somebody else. It wasn't the first time, but it was a heart that was being revealed here. And and Jesus sees her story, and that's what I want to tell you today, is that Jesus sees your story. Jesus knows what you're facing right now. He knows your need. He knows what you lack. He knows the miracle that you need. And he sees it, and he will meet that need according to his plan. Maybe not your plan, but he will meet the need. Why? Because he doesn't let his kids go hungry. He just doesn't. Okay, he provides. I'm not saying you're going to be wealthy and rich, but he provides for your needs, and he'll do that. He knows what you're facing. Do you believe that? You have to believe that. He knows, he knows your struggle. He knows your tears. He knows what, what, what you're going through when no one else is looking. And he sees what you give, okay? Not just monetarily, but part of your life. And he doesn't care about the amount. He cares about the heart in which is given. Again, whether it's your time, your talents, your abilities, um, or it could be money. It might be you taking the time to encourage someone. I want you to think for a moment in your life. Can you think back and think of, of somebody who said something to you, whether it was a parent or a coach or a teacher, that said something to you that stuck, said something to you that meant something to you that, that encouraged you to keep going. Okay, I, I could list several of them in my life where people spoke things into my life. Uh, my, my parents would be probably the two biggest that spoke something into my life that gave me something to hold on to, that spoke to what I was, not what I wasn't, to spoke to what I could be, not what I wasn't being. And many of you probably didn't have parents like that, but you probably had a coach or a teacher or someone that gave you that word of encouragement that helped you to continue to go on. And that's what God is asking us to do. 
as a church, as a family, as a Christian, is to be that kind of light in a dark world. Uh, I read something recently, and, and the, the, the author said, you know, we're not here to take everybody's hurt away, but we can't help somebody hurt less by our interaction with them. And I love that. Because we can see, like, oh, I'm here to help, you know, everybody get their hurt away. That's not always possible. But we can help somebody hurt less by being a source of encouragement. So you are making a bigger difference than you think. Okay, the widow's might, M-I-T, all right? I, I like to say it was the widow's might. Like Pastor Stevie's guns, right? I was going to flex, but where's Pastor Stevie? I just gave him up here and flex. He, he works out, just so you know. He works out so I don't have to. That's part of it's part of <laughs> I'll out hike him though. All right, uh, all right. He, I got the legs. He has the arms. We're good. All right. Actually, he probably could out hike me. I'm 50. He's 31. How old is he? Oh, 33. That's when Jesus got crucified. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he's due. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to tell you something, guys. It doesn't take much to please Jesus. Okay, and, and, and if you've had this idea that man, if I can't give a lot, then I'm, then I'm not making God happy. No, this, this story contradicts that way of thinking. And it wasn't the wealthy people that Jesus like, noticed and pointed out. And I'm sure he appreciated it in their generosity. But he noticed the woman who all she had was two coins. That was it. That's the one that he pointed out. So her, the widow's might, her strength wasn't found in the amount. It was found in her faith. That's where the strength came from. Again, Luke points out that Jesus looked up as if he was prompted to by something significant that was about to happen. And so my thought here is no one noticed her except for Jesus. My question is, is what do we do that causes Jesus to look up at us <laughs> or look down at us because he's in heaven, right? I think it's the small things. I think you do more things on a daily basis that causes Jesus to turn his attention toward you as his child and smile. It might be opening the door for somebody. It might be just giving a clerk, hey, a thank you, or a, giving a, you know, your wait staff a good tip, or something that you did that made a difference in the life of somebody else. Those are the things that God is smiling. We might think, hey, I wrote a big check out for this, and, and God's like, oh, that's nice. But it's what you do on a daily basis that really matters to me. I think that's if Jesus could talk to you, or he would talk to you, that's what he would say. It's the daily things that you do. It's the encouragements that you give. It's the way you raise your kids. It's the way you encourage your husband or your wife. It's the way that you respect or honor people. That's the thing that really means a lot to me. I think that's what God would, God would tell us. So serving God, pleasing God is a lot easier than we make it out to be at times. It's the small things. See, it's not small in his eyes if it's given with the right heart and the right attitude. Be kind to people on a daily basis. So we all have a chance every day to do something significant for someone else. We really do. The, the question is, is, do we take that opportunity? Some of you, it may be allowing the person to cut you off and get in when they didn't blink. <laughs> right? You're driving down the road and somebody wants to cut you off. And uh, I joke with first service, I'll joke with you, is, is you can change the license plate, but your driving habits tell us where you came from. That's <laughs> really true, right? You got to change your driving habits. <laughs> okay. So live your life to add value to other people, okay? It's really easy to do. Our nature is, is to devalue others. Our nature is to tell people what they're not, right? That's, that tends to be what we, we do easier than, than it is. But we need to change how we look at people. We need to change our nature to be a, a source of encouragement to others. But it is amazing what a simple word of encouragement could do for someone. Again, it's not the amount, it's the obedience. So my question, my final question is for us today, is what do I have to give and am I giving it? God has given each of you talents and abilities. Pastor Steve, again, did, preached a phenomenal message last week. On, on it's, it's not with the amount you give, it's what God gave you and what are you doing with it? 
Like get up every day and serve Jesus every day. You get up every day. You don't have to plan too much. I'm going to get up. I'm going to serve God by how I live. Okay. What do I have to give and how am I giving it? What, what part am I playing in my church family to help us go forward? And many of you are, but many of you need to step up. There's some things that maybe God's stirring in your heart. And let us know about that. Maybe some ministries, some idea. Matter of fact, I, we've had, and, and if you've been in ministry, you know this. People will come to you, this great idea of a ministry that the church should start. <laughs> You're like, I think God's talking to you, bro. <laughs> well, I don't want to be a part of it. Well, then shut up, right? Like, <laughs> like it's just a great idea. You should do this, all right? Um, no, if God's, if God's laid it on your heart, then, you know, maybe it's something that, that you should start it up, right? So Winston Churchill said this. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I love that. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. So live your life to make someone else's life better. Um, God did not create us to be self-centered. And, and our world is very, that's what they preach. We're self-centered. It's all about you. Well, it's not all about you. When we can live a life for somebody else, you'll find it's a happier life. Because I don't know any happy, selfish people. Those two words don't go together. Selfish people are not happy. They're usually very bad. But I know tons of people that are unselfish that are very happy. And I think that's where this widow was at. So this widow sets this example that Jesus was so pleased with. Okay, again, it was his last time in the temple, never to return. Matter of fact, the temple would be destroyed not too long later when his disciples were like, man, check this out. And Jesus like, I'll tell you what, every stone is going to be wiped out. And if you know history, maybe you don't, the, the Romans, they, like, they basically got burned and the gold melted down into the foundations of the temple. And part of the Romans' pay was, was they could get whatever was left behind. So they actually turned all the stones over to get to the gold that was under the foundation. So what Jesus said um, happened, uh, I think it was 40 or 70 years later. Don't, you say, don't quote me. I, it's written in another book of my Bible. I think it's 40 years later, that's what took place. Okay, I think it was Titus Vespasian came in and sacked Jerusalem and burned the temple. And, and, and so what Jesus said is going to happen is going to happen. These disciples were looking at all the gold and Jesus was looking at the heart. And that's what he does today. Okay, he looks at your heart and he knows that you have something to give. So listen to me if you don't hear anything else. Listen to this. What you do is not insignificant. Okay, some of you might feel like you're insignificant. You are not. Okay, that widow, what did she feel? Pretty insignificant. And she was the one that got named. She's the one that we still talk about today. And what she did has probably inspired thousands of people to rise and give with their life above and beyond where they were. Why? Because of her one action. So you never know what your little giving, your little piece of the puzzle is going to do to other people. Okay? It continues to pay dividends forward. So your little is a lot when given with the right heart. Amen? It's not even 12 o'clock yet, and I'm almost done. <laughs> Keyword almost. All right? Here's your homework. I got to tell you homework. Your homework is this, because I'm not going to tell you a message and then just have you not be responsible to do something with it. I believe every message we hear, we're responsible to do something with it, right? So here's the homework. Point out what people are doing right this week. I want you to find some people. I want you to point out what they're doing right. And here's, if you're married, I want you to start with your spouse, because our spouse, we, we should be each other's big, biggest cheerleader, right? We really should. And so start with your spouse. Find out what they're doing right, because it's really, I know, I know y'all don't point out what's wrong. With your spouses, it doesn't happen in this church. Um, a couple of churches down the road have that problem, but not us. I know that. No, we're, we're pretty quick most of the time to point out what we don't like. But I want us to focus on what we do like and begin to talk about those things we do. Because what I have found is when you begin to encourage people, they, their behavior usually changes for the better. Okay? Not always, but usually. Okay? What gets encouraged gets repeated most of the time. Most of the time. Amen. I go on vacation and I preach short. I don't know what's up with that, but 
Uh, all right, well, let's deal with the, the salvation thing, all right? This is important. If you bow your heads with me today, because where is your walk with God right now? Where is it? If you've given your life to Jesus, okay, your eternity's taken care of, all right? You're saved, you're going to heaven. Uh, just encourage you to keep battling every day, do the best you can. But if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, okay, the Bible is very clear. There are two destinations. There's a heaven and there's a hell, and you get to choose where you go. The only way we can get to heaven is by repenting of our sins, asking Jesus to forgive us and to be our savior. And if you have never made that decision before and you would like to, I'm gonna ask you just between me and you, just raise your hand up where I can see it and you can put it down. No, but is there any, okay, I see some hands. All right, anybody else? Okay, that's good, all right. And I ask our church family, let's pray it together as a, as a church. Um, I don't know who's all watching online, but we pray it together. And if somebody's online, then they can get saved online as well. So let's just repeat this, this, <laughs> let's repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for me. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart and be my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you just amen. You gave your heart to him. That's good. That's good. Yeah, first service, second service, it's always good to see somebody give their life to Christ because that's, that's, what, that's what we're about, all right? And then we're about growing after that. But uh, let, me say, let me tell you something. It's 12 o'clock. My gift to you is you get to go home early. If you have any questions with the Thanksgiving feast, talk to your life group leader. Um, if you're looking for life group, they're all uh, right above the drinking fountain. So love you all. Have a wonderful day. And uh, we'll see you Wednesday night.